Turning your Bibles to Esther chapter 8, we're continuing, of course, our study of this Old Testament history book, and it shows God's providence. Think about it. God is working all things according to His will. We see His provision and protection for His people. And in the last weeks, as we, but before Christmas, we saw the reversal. That evil man named Haman, who wanted to kill the Jews, wanted to kill Mordecai, has now been put to death. And we saw what the principle from the Bible is called the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever we sow, we reap. Haman had sowed evil, and as he reaped, judgment. And, and as we looked at the end of chapter 7, and we thought, well, this is great because the evil man had been hanged. And by the way, when it says gallows, and we talked about this several weeks ago, when it says gallows, don't think of like putting a rope around their neck. When it said hanged on the gallows, that was a sharpened pole, and they were impaled on that pole and put up in the air. So that's what happened to this man. But here's the problem. That bad man is gone. But the decree is still in effect. The decree to kill all the Jews. The laws of the Medes and the Persians cannot be changed once the law is into effect. So how are we going to solve this, or how is it going to be solved? Well, this morning we'll see a plan. As we look at this, let me remind you of several things to think about. First of all, let's think about proclaiming the message that saves. See, in this passage, we see that they're going to get a message out that's going to save the Jewish people physically. But we have a message to proclaim that saves people spiritually. And we need to think about the message that brings eternal life and getting that message into our community and our world. And then the second thing is rewards and faithful service. Because see, in this thing, Mordecai is going to be rewarded for his faithfulness, for serving the king and for all the things that he did. But you realize that all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, one day we'll stand before Christ, has nothing to do with salvation, nothing to do with eternal life, but we'll stand before him dealing with rewards. And we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So this morning as we go through this passage, we're going to talk about several of those things. We came to Stillwater about 30 years ago, and I had been in Dallas before that. And, of course, I grew up in Mississippi. And I found out that in Stillwater or in Oklahoma, there's tornadoes. Now, we had some in Mississippi, but nothing like you have here. And in the early 90s, when we lived over on the other side of town, or basically on this side of town, in fact, a tornado went through Stillwater, and it actually hit our neighborhood, and uh, we roof got messed up, and a fence got blown away. But we were okay, because in Oklahoma, they, they give you warnings. Now, we live next door to the Rows, David and Elise's Row. They have a shelter, and they told us, listen, anytime something bad happens, you just come run get in the shelter. So several years ago, uh, we started looking on TV, and you know how they give you the warning. It's coming. And so David called me, hey, y'all better come on over and get into the shelter. So we picked up our dogs, and we went over. We climbed down in the shelter with them, and we're all in this little thing, and everything's closed up. And, of course, we hear it all. And then there's a radio or something we have that says it's all clear. I think the loudspeaker deal told us. So we opened back up. And, of course, it didn't hit around us, and so we were safe. And we said, you know, it's really good that we got that message to know to go get into a safe place. Well, this morning we're going to see in chapter 8 that a message is going to be sent out to the Jews that's going to save them, that's going to give them the right to live. It is a message that brings physical salvation to the Jews. Because at this point there's a decree out on the 13th day of the 12th month that every Jew will be killed and to be annihilated to be wiped out and all their property and everything taken. And we're not talking about in, the Pers in Persia. We're not talking about in Susa, the capital. We're talking about throughout the 127 provinces of the Persian Empire. That was the known world at that time. 
we're going to see a message going out this morning that will save the Jews. It's a message written by Mordecai, signed by the king, going out through all the 127 provinces. And as we think about that, think about our message. Every one of us in this room, we have been entrusted with a message. It is a message that brings salvation to people, not physical salvation. It brings eternal life salvation. That a person who is destined to be separated from God forever, we have a message a message of Jesus Christ that gives people eternal life and they can spend eternity with Jesus Christ. We should be excited about getting that message out. Well, let's remember where we are. Haman, that evil man, had written the decree to kill all the Jews and Esther the queen was Jewish unknown to the king, unknown to Haman, unknown to most people. And she called that second banquet, as I talked about a while ago, and the king said, what do you need? What do you want from me? Because she'd called a banquet and said, I need something from you. And he said, what is it? Up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. And she said, I need the lives of myself and my people saved from destruction. And he said, who in the world would do that? And she points across the little thing and says, that man right there, that evil man. And Haman goes, oh my gosh. And he didn't realize, and now he realizes that the queen's Jewish. He's going to try to kill every Jew and all of those things. And of course, the king got up. He was very angry because he realized that he was the one that allowed Haman to write the decree. He was the one that gave the signet ring to Haman to write it all. And so he goes outside and Haman is begging the queen, save my life. And he he comes back in and he sees Haman. He says, you can't touch the queen in my place. And they came in, covered his face, and put him on those gallows that he had built to kill Mordecai. And they impaled him on that. And we all cheered. Yay, the bad man's gone. And you know, it's funny that we like to see people get what's coming to them, unless it's us people. You know, unless it's coming to us. We don't, we don't want coming to us. We'd let it go to everybody else. But there's still a problem. The decree. The decree is still into effect. And just because Haman is dead doesn't mean the law has changed because on the 13th day of the 12th month, the law is there that the Jews in the 127 provinces all throughout the Medio Persian Empire will be put to death. What can be done? Well, this morning, another decree. A decree to save. Let me give you the outline of the study. This morning, verses 1 and 2, we're going to see Mordecai's promotion, his reward for faithfulness. We're going to see Esther's problem and request, how to save the Jews. And then we're going to see the decree that goes out. What does it say? And we'll go, we're going to go very quickly through this. We've seen, uh, we've talked about how all this works, and we'll see it as we go through it. Well, let's begin. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. It says, On that day, King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had disclosed what he was to her. Now think about that. When it's all said and done, she looks at the king and says, I guess you now realize I'm Jewish. <laughs> and, and so thank you for saving, you know, killing that bad man and everything. And I would like you to meet the man who raised me. He's my cousin, but he raised me when my mother and father were, were killed. And his name is Mordecai. And you know him because he saved your life. And so Mordecai comes in, and so it says that King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, everything that Haman owned, he gave it to, to Queen Esther. And what we see is the king is going to reward, rewards both Esther and Mordecai. And what is he going to do? Two things. One, the house of Haman is given to Esther. All the possessions of Haman. Now, because Haman was evil, just because Haman was killed didn't mean that all of his possessions and his house and his riches would, could be go to the king... But because he was a deceiver and an evil man, the king took his possessions. And then the king said, okay, everything that Haman owes, has, and you got to remember, Haman's very wealthy. He said, I'm going to give it to you, Esther. 
You're going to have everything. And then Esther says, well, I'd, I'd like you to meet Mordecai. I know you know who he is, but he's like my daddy. He's like my second daddy. He raised me, and he's been there for me all my life. And you could see Ahasuerus saying, you're the man that I read in the, in the thing that saved my life when those people were trying to kill me. You're the guy. And you can see Mordecai going, yeah, that was me. That was me. Well, here's what the king does. He does the second thing. He gives the ring to Mordecai. The king gave the ring, which showed power and authority and special position. Look at verse 2. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Suddenly, Mordecai becomes probably the richest man in the empire. And he takes the position as number two in the kingdom. Now, let me ask you this question. Did, did we ever think that could possibly happen? Here was Haman, the evil man, Mordecai, just a regular guy, so to speak, and suddenly, what a reversal. Haman is dead, and everything that belongs to Haman now belongs to Mordecai. What a reversal. Mordecai is rewarded. And let's say this. There's faithful service brings rewards. Now let me say something to all of us, including me. One day, each one of us, who know Christ as Savior, will stand before Jesus Christ to be rewarded. Now, when we stand before Christ, it has nothing to do with salvation. Everyone has eternal life by faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. So for us going to heaven, it is not based on anything we've ever done or ever will do. It's all the grace of God. But how you live as a child of God, the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us, how we use those gifts, talents, and abilities, how we serve Jesus Christ, one day we're going to stand before Him, and what we want to hear Him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. First Corinthians 9 says, run the race so that you may get the prize. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things we've done in this body, whether good or worthless. Romans 14 says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. So each one will give an account of himself to God. Every one of us in this room will stand before Jesus and give an account of how we lived as a child of God has nothing to do with your eternal destiny. You have eternal life. You have eternal life with Jesus Christ forever. But it has, will do, has something to do with your rewards and your place of ministry and service for all eternity. Because you'll serve Jesus Christ during the thousand-year reign of Christ, and then you'll serve Him in what's called the eternal kingdom. So when people say, I don't know if I want to go to heaven or not, I don't just want to sit around like on a cloud and play a harp or something, that's not what it's going to be like. There's a new heavens and a new earth, and with the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given you, and in the positions that you earned by your faithful service, you will serve Him forever. So take for a second and say, how am I doing? What are my gifts, talents, and abilities? Where am I using the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has for me? Where am I plugging in? Where am I serving because the key to this whole thing is faithfulness. Moreover, brethren, is required of stewards to be found faithful. He just wants you to be faithful to use what he's given each of us. And so are we faithful to use the gifts, talents, and abilities? May we hear him say, well done. Well, God's working in all these events. He's, he's 
taken away Haman. He's given everything to Esther. He's brought in Mordecai. He gave Mordecai the ring. He's rewarded Mordecai for faithful service. And we don't know how much time passes between verse 2 and verse 3, but some time's passed. Because in reality, even though they could all go, thank you so much, it's been great, thank you for the rewards, as they walk out that door, they go, the decree's still in effect. We're all going to die on the 13th day of the 12th month, unless something is done. So Esther's going to go back and see the king. Now you remember, you can't go in to see the king unless what? Let's see, he invited you. If you go in to see the king and he didn't invite you, he could have you put to death. Now, the way he will see you is if you come in and he's not going to put you to death, he takes a scepter and he puts it down and you get to touch the top of the scepter and that means I'm welcoming you here. So look what happens. Then Esther spoke again to the king, fell at his feet, wept and implored him to avert the evil scheme of Haman the Agite and his plot which he had advised against the Jews. And the king extended the golden scepter to Esther, so Esther arose and stood before the king. She goes back to see him, and she says, look, we need some help. She falls at his feet. She's weeping, and she's saying, stop the evil. Stop the evil. And we see his grace. See, he could have said, listen, I have done all I'm going to do. Good gracious. What do you want from me? But that's not what he does. He puts the scepter down, which is grace. So she can come before him. And you know, that's a picture of our grace. How are you going to approach the living God? You know, you, people talk about God and they say things like, God's the big man upstairs. No, he's not a big man upstairs. He's the creator and the most powerful being that's ever existed. And the only way you can have any kind of relationship with the living God is through Jesus Christ. And it's all based on the grace of God. And that's what we see. The king extended his golden scepter to Esther, so Esther rose and stood before the king. And what's she going to say? Then she said, If it pleases the king, and if I found favor before him, and if the matter seems proper to the king, and I'm pleasing to his sight, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamathatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who were in the king's province. Notice what she does. She doesn't demand one thing. She says, If it's pleasing to the king... If I found favor, if it seems proper to you, if I'm pleasing in your sight, would you revoke the letters that Haman wrote so that I pe my people can be saved? Notice she says, how can I endure, verse 6, how can I endure the calamity which will fall my people? How can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? See, she figures, I'm pretty much safe because I'm with the king. Nobody's going to come in here and try to kill me. But all the other Jews throughout the 127 provinces and just regular Jews, and they can still all be killed. And I can't stand that. So she looks at the king and says, I can't endure all my people being killed. So look what happens. Verse 7. So King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai. Now, the best we can tell, Mordecai is, is, is there also because she, he says to both Esther and to Mordecai. Maybe when Esther started talking, he says, why don't you bring Mordecai in here? And so King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I've given the house of Haman to Esther. And him they've hanged on the gallows because he stretched out his hands against the Jews. Look what I've already done. Notice he says, I've given the house of Haman to Esther. I put Haman to death. I will do even more. This is how God deals with us. Wouldn't it be enough... 
if God said to every one of us, okay, I sent Jesus to die for you and to pay for your sins and to give you eternal life as a gift. If you will believe in him, I'll give you eternal life. And we said, I, t- I believe. He'd say, that's enough. Would that be enough? Yes. I mean, that's beyond comprehension that we go from hell to heaven and it's all the grace of God. But God didn't say, that's enough. He said, now here's what else I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you spiritual gifts. I'm going to put you together in the body. I'm going to put you on this earth. I'm going to protect you. I'm the provider, protector, redeemer. You know, I'm going to take, I'm going to do everything. In fact, I'm going beyond what you could even ask or imagine. I mean, look at the next part I think I've got. Look what he says. He who did not spare his own son, he didn't spare Jesus, but delivered him up for his own. How will he not also with him freely give us what? All things. Everything you have is the grace of God. He doesn't have to let you live. He doesn't have to let you serve Him. He didn't have to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to bless you day in and day out. He didn't have to do anything. He says, oh, it's enough that I just saved you. He said, no, no I'm going to give you beyond what you could imagine. Well, the king basically does the same thing. He says, look, I've already killed Haman, and I've already, uh, you know, given you everything. Now, here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 8. Now, write to the Jews as you see fit in the king's name. Seal it with the king's signet ring for a decree which is written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's signet ring can't be revoked. He says, I want you to go ahead. I want you to write another decree. That's why we entitled this, this morning the, the second decree. The first decree brought death. The second decree is going to bring life. He says, write another decree. Write it. I'll, I'll give you my signet ring. You got it already. You can put, mark it on there, and it shows it's from the king. And it can't be changed once it's written. So what is the decree? Notice verse 9. So the king's cries were called at that time in the third month, that is the month Sivan, on the 23rd day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, the princes of the provinces which extended from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces to every province according to its script, to every people according to their language, as to well as the Jews according to their script and their language. Is that a long verse or what? Right? That's what it says. Now, I want you to notice something. When did this happen? This happened on the third month, the 23rd day. When does the decree go into effect? On the 13th day of the 12th month. This is only two months since the first decree. Basically, there are eight or nine months before the final decree goes into effect. They got about eight, eight months before it's the 13th day of the 12th month. He said, but I want you to write this thing, and I want you to get the message out as quickly as possible. Get it out there. Get it sealed. Get it sent out. So look what happened. They're going to send it out by the king's horses, and they're going to get that out. And so it says, he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, sent letters by the cores on the horses, riding on the uh, steeds sired by the royal stud. They're saying, this is the best horses we got. These are the fastest horses we got. I want you to get the decree out, and I want it sent to every province, all 127 provinces, and I want it to be a decree that will save the Jewish people's lives. Three things. Look what it says. They have the right to assemble and prepare for war. They have the right to defend themselves. And they have the right to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate anyone who attacks them. 
That's the same language in the original decree. Look at verse 11. In them the king granted the Jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, to annihilate the entire army of any people or province which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoil. Now I want you to understand something. The original decree, they were going to kill the Jews and take everything that belonged to them. In this decree, the Jewish people, anybody that tried to kill the Jews, they could kill them and take their stuff. But what you're going to find is the Jews did not take anybody's stuff. They're going to defend their lives. That's their plan. When is all this going into effect? Verse 12. On one day, in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, the message is going out. So on one day, thirteenth day, twelfth month, there are two decrees into effect. One allows people to kill the Jews and steal their property. The other allows the Jews to defend themselves, kill them and steal their property. That is going to be one heck of a day, right? I mean, think about that day. Wow. Now, I want you to see something. The message was sent out to all the nations with all authority, and it dealt with a physical salvation. We have a message. We have a message to send out to all people with all authority. And it's a message of salvation. It's not a physical salvation message. It's an eternal life salvation. God loved the world. God gave His Son. You remember Luke 2? Good news of great joy to all the people. You realize that the message that we have is a good news message. That there are people in this community that wake up every day afraid. They don't know if they're going to heaven. They don't know if they've lived a good enough life. They, some of them don't even care anymore. There's so many people out there that you have a message that is good news. And it is a message of eternal salvation. That they can have an eternal relationship with God by faith in Christ. And it costs them nothing. You're not selling them anything. You're giving them a gift. We should be so pumped up about going out these doors and looking for the opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus. We have the greatest message about salvation. It is the grace message. Jesus died and rose again. And all who believe in him have eternal life. And every one of us get to tell that message. Look at verse 13. A copy of the edict was to be issued as law in each and every province, was published to all the peoples, so the Jews would be ready for this day to avenge themselves on their enemies. Now, I want you to think about the contrast between these decrees. The first decree brings death to all. There's sorrow and sadness and confusion. The second decree brings life and joy and gladness. Think about it. The first decree said... All Jewish people are going to get killed on that day. Second decree says all Jewish people can defend themselves and have life on that day. There are two decrees for us. You, have, you realize that? The first decree says this. If you sin, you die. Everybody in this, anybody in this room sinned? If you sinned, raise your hand. You're all going to die. Wages of sin is death. Is that a bad news? That's really bad news. It's bad news because the wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God. Every one of us in this room, the decree said, if you've ever done one thing wrong, you out. 
you're dead. We go, I don't like that decree. Okay? But there's another decree. This one says, by faith in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. There's a second decree that says, even though the soul that sins shall die, I've provided a way to save you. Jesus has died for you and paid for your sins and gives you eternal life as a gift by faith. By faith. God loved you. God sent his son. Whoever believes has what? Life. The soul that sins shall die. Whoever believes in Christ has Life, the two decrees. Well, look what happened. So the couriers, verse 14, the couriers hastened and impelled by the king's command, went out riding on the royal steeds, and the decree was given out at the citadel in Susa. It's passed on right the hometown there, and then all over the province. Everybody's excited. They can hardly wait to get that message. Do you and I have a burden to get the message out? When was the last time that you or me told somebody about Jesus Christ? Statistics tell us that 85% of Christians go their entire life and never share their faith. Part of the reason is they're not trained. They don't know what to do. They're afraid. They're afraid to start talking to somebody about Jesus because they're afraid somebody's going to ask them something they won't know. So they say, well, I'm not going to even ask because I don't want to look embarrassed and I won't know what to say. But then get trained so you can know what to say, so you can know where to go in the Scripture, so you can be bold and you can tell people the greatest message of all time. We need to do that. If you haven't shared your faith in a month, ask God, give me somebody tomorrow. Let me look for the opportunities. Let me be ready to just... All I've got to tell them is that Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again. If they trust in Him, they'll have what? Eternal life. It is that simple. We've got to take the message. Well, look what happens. Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in the royal robe of blue and white with a large crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. He came out of the king's palace looking good, right? I mean, looking good. I mean, think about it. Now, it says that he had on royal robes of blue and white. That was the colors of the Persian Empire. It says he had a large crown of gold. That's really a mistranslation. The word is a turban. It doesn't mean a crown. He wasn't wearing a crown like a king. He was wearing a gold turban. And it went on to say that he had a garment of fine linen and purple, and everybody's all happy and shouting. And for the Jews, that was light and gladness and joy and honor. Why? Because there's now life. There's now life. When the command comes, when the command came, there was rejoicing and a holiday. And a celebration, look at the next verse. In each and every province and in each and every city where the king's commandment and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday, and many among the peoples of the land became Jews. They said, we want to know about the God of Israel. We want to know what kind of God this is that takes care of his people. And many of the Jews, the people of the lands became Jews for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. We're not through yet. We've still got two more chapters. Because we're going to see what happens on the 13th day of the 12th month. And that's next time. And we'll see some of those things. Aren't you glad God saved 
his people physically? If not, we have no Jesus. We have no Savior. Let me give you a couple of applications, okay? This is powerful. Let's take the message of salvation to this world. We've been given the message. Listen, think about it. We've got dual things here. The first decree that we know about brings death, but the second decree brings life. Look at the next thing. The first decree, sin equals death, and all sin thus all die. But the second decree is salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. The third thing. The first one brings sadness and sorrow. And the second one brings joy and gladness. Charles Hodge, was, Charles Hodge was, a, was a great Bible teacher, and here's what he said. He said, the gospel is God's message of grace and mercy to humanity. It is the only way of salvation. I found this little poem. I think it's pretty neat. It says, salvation is a gift of God, not something earned or won. He freely gives eternal life to all who trust his Son. Let's take the message. We got it, right? Let's take the message into this community. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. We're the ones that are supposed to be set apart with the message. We're supposed to be the ones to make disciples. We're the ones to tell people about Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about something. You need to know the message. And it's simple. Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him has eternal life. You need to know how to present the message. I taught a class last fall on becoming a disciple maker, and we have seven lessons on how to share your faith. So if you didn't get to take that class, we'll teach it again someday. But you call me. I'll get you with somebody to make sure you're prepared and ready to share your faith. Pray for the opportunities, and then share with those who come across your path. Second application. Realize God honors faithfulness. God honors faithfulness. Every one of us in this room can be faithful. It has nothing to do with gifts, talents, and abilities. It's the faithfulness to use the gifts, talents, and abilities. We'll stand before our Savior Jesus Christ to be rewarded. We will give an account of ourselves to God. So here's the question, as I mentioned earlier. What are your gifts and talents and abilities? How are you using your gifts, talents, and abilities to serve Jesus Christ?